everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Academia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Loughlin. I'm Justin Grant. And I'm Maddie Cassidy. And today we have a really great guest. We are joined by Dallas Abel, who is the project coordinator at the Kaika Project. And they are doing something that is very, very beneficial to not only their community, but also the uh, local ecosystem as well. And we're really, we really had a good time talking to him about it. But before we get into it, I want to remind everybody to please subscribe to Aquademia wherever you listen so you can get every new episode directly downloaded onto your device as soon as it's available. Follow us on Twitter at AquademiaPod. If you want to fill out our contact form like Dallas did, visit globalseafood.org slash podcast. And if you like what you're listening to, please leave us a rating and review on whichever podcast platform you listen on. That's right. So please enjoy this conversation we had with Dallas and we will talk to you at the end. Welcome to the Aquademia podcast. Our diet is hurting the environment in myriad ways. I mean, we desperately need to eat more seafood. This is a pioneering industry with a whole lot of people who have really good ideas and a lot of experience and are unafraid. Aquademia is your go-to podcast for a fresh take on all things seafood. So we're sitting down with Dallas Abel, uh, who is the project coordinator from Kaiika, and we're going to talk all about what Kaiika is in a minute. But first, how's it going, Dallas? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, kia ora. Thank you very much. Hello from New Zealand. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really excited to have you on. When you reached out to us, I watched the video that you shared with us uh, from what what was that? Was it? What was the group? That Uh, that, uh, that was by Vice Munchies munchies yeah i watched a video and i thought this is just this is an awesome program and i love it and i'm really excited to talk about it because you know there's a bunch of issues in the world that we live in the food world that we live in one is food scarcity and and you know the need for more food and the other is is waste food that's being wasted every day and Mm. if you're able to find two issues like that and find a win-win situation a common ground that benefits multiple people then you can't do any better than that. And that's just what you guys are doing. But before we get into what Kaika does, can you please give us a little background on yourself, kind of who you are, how you got to where you are now, and then we can get into the history behind how Kaika came to came to be. Yeah, perfect. Sounds good. Um, so, yeah, my name's Dallas. I've got a marine science background. Um, I've always been focused on fish and fishing from growing up as a kid, fishing, hunting, diving to working in aquaculture, uh, working in aquariums and education, and then took it to the next level in my career to focus on commercial fishing monitoring as a fisheries observer for the Ministry for Primary Industries for the government here in New Zealand. Yeah, so most hated I, person on the boat, right? It's Exactly. I was the one <laughs> uh, official on board and there's 80 other salty crewmen who think I am there, out, out there to get them. Um, which sort of, uh, that's true. Uh, but if they've got I mean, if they're doing hide, something, if they're doing something wrong, then yeah, exactly. If they've got nothing to hide, then everything's going to be fine. So had a few interesting interactions out there. That was about two and a half years, almost 400 sea days. Um, really wow. cool experience. Very cool experience. Um, just monitoring, recording what they do, what they catch, how they catch it, uh, and reporting any potential regulatory breaches, which there were many surprisingly. Um, you'd think they'd be doing all the right things while I was on board, but no. Uh, well, I'm impressed you're still here to do this podcast with us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I'm six foot three. Uh, I've got a little bit of weight behind me, so they're not going to throw me overboard. 
Um, yeah, and after all these regulatory breaches, uh, it just occurred to me nothing was coming from them. So I would report all these mishaps on board, um, you know, potential dumping of, of fish, illegal activity, but nothing was actually happening from the government from what I was reporting. And I just thought that was quite strange. Um, and all the other observers I was speaking with were essentially going through the same thing. So I thought, all right, this isn't right. Um, so I jumped ship, pun intended there, uh, and joined <laughs> Always an organization. <laughs> Always intended. Um, so I jumped ship and joined an organization called Legacy. Uh, Legacy is a non-profit organization focused on looking after the marine environment. So we are essentially a public outreach of the New Zealand Sport Fishing Council. We were established in 2012 to essentially help educate the public on different fisheries issues that are happening in our backyard, in our fisheries management areas out in the ocean, um, but to also give recreational fishers a voice um, when it comes to fisheries matters. You know, it's not just commercial and industry guys that should have a say in uh, fish populations. It, fish here belong to every New Zealander. So we want to give people that voice, and that's what Legacy uh, was set up to be. And going strong ever since, and each year we keep developing, keep building. And Legacy is the mothership of the project Kai Ika, or the Kai Ika project. So Kai Ika is a Te Reo Māori word, a traditional uh, language word. It is Kai is food, Ika is fish. So together it essentially means eating fish. Um, and it came about in 2016 um, off the back of a program called Fish Care. So Fish Care was an initiative set up by Legacy to uh, allow recreational fishers to minimize their impact on the marine environment while fishing. So it could be something as simple of, as how to handle a fish, uh, different hook structures to use on your rigs, um, and one of these principles was maximum utilization of your catch. So essentially not just eating the fillets, um, you know, utilizing your head, your frame, or sharing it with people who will eat it. And from that, Kaika was born. Um, we hooked up with uh, the Outboard Boating Club of Auckland, otherwise known as OBC, who have a fish filleting station. They've had it there for many, many years. People would return from day out at sea, wash down their boat, fill their fish, be on their merry way, um, and all their heads and frames would be thrown into just a one-ton skip bin. And that skip bin, the marina would pay for it to be dumped and sent to landfill. Um, so they, they knew that wasn't right, but they didn't have an alternative. So they hooked up with Legacy and they basically said, you know, what can we be doing different? We don't know what to do, uh, but we think we can be doing better. And Legacy said, perfect, we're going to help you. So the and, fishermen took that initiative? Uh, the, yes, the, the fishermen, wow. the members, and the marina. So they, oh, uh, they recognize that New Zealand's fisheries are being depleted faster than, than they can rebuild. So it's not only, we don't only have to identify, uh, we don't only have to address the way we're catching fish, but also what we do and how we consume the fish afterwards. Mm -hmm. so, so we've heard we of programs up. where the waste parts of the fish are used for different things here like when we we have the the bap certification and part of that is like what are you doing with your fish waste and a lot of it goes to fertilization or something like that or but um i i really like where you're going in your story i really like what you guys are doing 
with this, can you can you talk about kind of what happens now with those fish he- with those fish uh, heads and frames? Yeah, yep. So it it only started firstly just from recovering seventeen kilograms. Um, I don't know what that is in pounds. Um, maybe fifty over fifty pounds of of fish heads and frames just from this marina on one day, and that was shared with different families uh, just to eat them. You know, in in Auckland here in New Zealand, we have a very multicultural city. We have Indo, Asian, Pacifica, and Maori um, communities. And all of these communities, they revere fish heads. It's the best part of the fish. They've eaten this part of the fish for thousands and thousands of years. Um, but we also have a community in New Zealand of people who do not value fish. You know, they prefer just to eat the fish fillets and then whatever happens to the rest, they don't really mind. So we recognize this issue. So now we recover these fish heads and frames and share them with people who want to eat them. You know, we try to keep it really simple. There's people who don't want the heads. There's people who want the heads. We collect, distribute, feed families. So we try to keep it super simple. Um, so it all started through hooking up with a marae. So a marae is a traditional community hub um, by by Maori people. And this marae is called the Papa Tunuku Kokiri Marae in South Auckland. Um, it's a bit of a mouthful. Say that three times Do you want to give it a try? <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> The Papatunuku Kokiri Marae. Go, Sean. You got it, Sean. No. <laughs> no. If you, you know, if you, is it on your website? Papa I got your website Tunuku. open. That's the first part. Yeah. Yeah, it's on the website. You'll be able to find it. You can have a crack. Give me some time. I, I, I am pretty well known for really struggling with difficult pronunciations. You're so this just will be really okay. good at pronun- pronouncing. But, but, but you do uh, attempt it. Uh, I just <laughs> stay. Yeah. By the end of this, I want you to at least have a crack, mate. Sure, <laughs> sure. We'll give it a try. Uh, so, yeah, we hooked up with this marae who uh, already distribute different vegetables. So this marae was established to grow food and share it with the community. Um, and in particular, they grow kumara or sweet potato. Um so one of our founders, Scott McIndoe, approached them and they said, how would you like 10,000 fish heads to go with your 10,000 kumara? Um, and as you guess it, uh, met with a mix of skepticism and suspicion. This white guy turning up into a, in a flash car <laughs> looking like an accountant or a parole officer. Uh, there was a lot of skepticism. Um, and another bit of that skepticism was they didn't really know why anyone would give away one fish head let alone 10,000, because that's what they prefer. They prefer the fish heads. Right. So we hooked up with this marae, and ever since, you know, that 17 kilos has turned to to 50, to hundreds, to thousands each week. Um, So we now recover close to 5,000 pounds, change it to pounds there, each week. 5,000 pounds each week. Wow. Now, what's the range of the marinas that you're collecting from now? Yep, yep. So it's not only one marina from a recreational fishermen. Um, we have multiple marinas now uh, that we collect from. But in addition, we have hooked up with commercial fishing operators and commercial processors um, because when COVID hit New Zealand, we couldn't go fishing. We were locked down. Um, right, but, yeah. So we had no fish to feed these families and these families were out of work. They didn't know how and if they could put food on the table. So we didn't know what to do. But as we do best, we adapt and we reached out to commercial fishing company uh, Moana New Zealand 
and they started distributing over a thousand kilos, so over two thousand tons each week. And they were probably um, more than happy to have you take away their their waste product, right? Exactly. Um, so what commercial fishing guys do in their processing factories, um, I don't think they really send it to landfill anymore. They send it to a fish meal and fish processing mm-hmm. um, factory where yep. it's ground down into a, a low value fish meal for fertilizers or fish food. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're happy to do that, but to get more value in actually feeding people, feeding families in their community, uh, they saw a lot more value in that. So they hooked up with us, or we hooked up with them. And now we're with a whole lot of different commercial fishing companies, Sanford, um, Scott Seafood, Kiwi Fish. And yeah, now we're recovering over 5,000 pounds of fish heads and frames each week. And we've recovered wow. almost 450,000 pounds. Wow. That's amazing. So, wow. So all, all different species? All, are there some species snapper. that are preferred or mostly snapper? Mm-hmm. Yes. So snapper, uh, the most widely recognized species here in New Zealand. Um, but we do get lucky enough to have a few different species of fish, kingfish, um, kahawai, probably species that you guys don't know. <laughs> but they're all delicious. And uh, yeah, we are sometimes donated whole fish as well. We're lucky enough, especially over Christmas time, these commercial fishing companies, they reached out to us and they started donating us some whole fish for our community, which mm-hmm. we absolutely appreciated. And so I saw in that video, it showed that you have your, you, that, that filleting station. Do you own that filleting station? Yes. So, so they come and you hurdles. guys, you guys actually fillet it yeah. and so give, the, give the fishermen the fillets and then you get to keep the, the heads and frames, right? 100%. So a hurdle that we had was paying for running costs. You know, picking up fish heads, delivering them to different marae, different community groups, and it's not cheap. Fuel prices, uh, manpower, vehicles. Mm-hmm. So in order to do this, we decided to hire expert fish filleters or p- filleting, and what you say over there. Um, mm-hmm. So we hired these filleters to process these fish. This was a win-win-win. One, recreational fishermen didn't have to worry about stuffing up filleting their fish people aren't Mm -hmm. confident they didn't have the mess two we had a we got our hands on every single fish head that we could get on these different marinas um, which increased our capacity we could feed more families but the most important was we had a fundraising tool we had a way to raise money to generate funds for our project in order to grow in order to recover more fish pay for more people to do more work and to essentially feed more people um, so and from this filleting station, filleting station, um, it's grown now. We've got, we've got a couple of trailers, a few different sites and we're and a flow on effect from this is employment. So we're now employing people, um, which we're really proud of and we're continuing to grow and we've got big futures for 2022. That's great. That was wow. another question that I had was how, how is this being funded? How, because everything costs money, right? So like, where is the money coming exactly. from? But you, you have fundraisers that are, that are bringing in enough money and i saw that you have volunteer i mean not volunteer um yeah you do have volunteer signups but you also have donation signups on your website as well so how much of the funding comes from donations versus um like the fundraising efforts well i mean the 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 filleting station the filleting station was only set up 12 months ago um 12 months to 24 months ago so prior to that we were relying on public donations we're relying on um grants so generous grant providers from the government or private grant funders, uh, we'd reach out to them, tell them about our project, and they're more than happy to, to help fund vehicles and running costs 
But now we've reached a point where people who fund us or provide us grants, they're providing us grants in order for us to become self-sufficient, to be self-funding. And that's our ultimate goal, to right. not have to ask people for money. Um, we are, we're happy for people to donate money to us, the public, if they want to jump on board the Kaika train. Um, more than happy to accept that. But we want to be self-funding through our fish filleting stations, essentially. So how many fillet stations, you said they, you travel with them. Uh, how many do you have and that, has that grown over the last 12 months? Yes. So we were originally just uh, filleting, filleting at OBC, just in their uh, filleting station. Um, mm-hmm. So mammals would return rather than filling them themselves and dumping the fish heads. We filleted it for them. Um, they get their fillets, they're on their way and we retrieve all their fish heads while generating a, a small a surplus from filleting that fish. Um, so from there, we built uh, a fully equipped fish filleting trailer, which we can mm-hmm. relocate to different marinas. So that's set up at West Haven ZP in Auckland. And we just constructed another trailer um, a few months ago, actually, that is designed to attend uh, fishing competitions. So fishing events all around the North Island of New Zealand. Um, we, we saw a gap in the market there and we know people want their fish filleted, especially at fishing comps. You know, I don't know if you've ever been in a, in a fishing tournament. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's fishing and drinking. So by Sounds the time like a you, good time. <laughs> after a big day out on, on the sea, uh, after a few brewskis, you know, the last thing you want to do is fillet your fish. And if you do, <laughs> you're not going to think about what you do with the fish heads and frames. So mm. we'll attend these events, filter your fish um, for a small fee. Keep Save your fingers. Frames. <laughs> exactly right. And uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a win all around. <laughs> That's the first thing I thought of when you said drink, <laughs> drinking, being drinking out all day and then drinking. Food. And I'm like, oh, those, those knives are pretty damn sharp. <laughs> I don't know yeah, That's a great idea not, anyway. We do not condone that. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So in this video that you sent us, they mentioned that, uh, and you said it too, that the, the heads are considered by, the, by some of these... Um, communities the heads are considered the most valuable part of the fish and they said a a lot of times in in history that those um that part of the fish was reserved for the chief correct yes yeah that was was fascinating in uh in maori culture here in new zealand uh fish heads are referred to as rangatiratai or chiefly food so they Mm. are the fish heads are they're reserved they're cooked especially for the chief or the most important person at the table as a sign of respect um, mm-hmm. And that has flown on to today. You know, people when they eat a fish head, they're really happy to be doing that. Um, one because it's delicious, it's nutritious, but it's also a sign that you know they have a bit of self worth. And this food is extremely culturally appropriate. So uh, one thing that we try to address here in Auckland and New Zealand is a food insecurity and mm-hmm. uh, different socioeconomic groups. Um, because the fish heads that we provide to communities, you know, this community is. 95% um, Pacifica, Asian, and Māori communities. And Auckland, we've got the largest population of Pacifica people in the world, of Polynesians oh, wow. in the world, exceeding Polynesia itself. So we have all these people that have their bodies adapted to eating seafood, uh, but they don't have access to it because they may be on the lowest socioeconomic scale, unfortunately. Oh. So we not only connect them with food they love, but it's also food that is good for them. You know, food their bodies are used to digesting. It's not fast food. It's not right. uh, unhealthy food. You know, it's, it's 
things that they appreciate and it is good for them. So some some of our listeners, sorry, Sean, looks like I no, just no, cut no, you off, but no. I'm sure some of our listeners, including myself, are curious. You said that you cook the fish heads. I wouldn't know where to start with a fish head. So I'm just curious if you could give us a few examples of how you would prepare a fish head. Yes. Good question. And that is one of the hurdles that we've had to um, jump over because we're not only, we're not just distributing to these communities. You know, we, we want a larger reach. We're trying to reach people who may not be familiar. They're not comfortable with eating fish heads, um, but we're trying to empower people. We're trying to empower home chefs to be able to filter their own fish and keep that fish head in frame and prepare it in a way for their family. Um, so in order to do that, we are running education programs, a lot of social media content on our Facebook and our Instagram, um, even TikTok. Uh, just easy recipes. It's so simple to cook fish heads. Um, obviously, the the most popular, the most famous is fish stock. Super mm-hmm. simple. You can throw whatever you want in it. You can throw the fish and the water, and that's it. You'll make a delicious fish stock, and that can create be the basis of a, a chowder, of a fish soup. Um, there's a lot of options. You throw some lemon in there, whole different herbs and spices, and, and you're golden. Um, baking it. Boiling it, smoking it is a big one here in New Zealand. So smoking fish is, is quite popular. Um, ourselves, we have a, a, quite a large walk-in uh, fish smoker, which we smoke fish every Monday. So it's a bit of a treat to, to the community rather than just distributing whole heads and frames intact. Um, we occasionally smoke fish for them and distribute that to them just so it's a bit of a, a fast food sort of takeaway feel for them. So they don't have to go out and go to McDonald's or KFC or those other fast food areas. Simply boiling it, um, I think, is a good way. Throw some onions in there, some butter, um, a few other herbs and spices, and just p- peel away the, the flesh, and it is delicious. Kind of pick it apart. Yep. So you think of a, of a steak, you know, the, the most flavorful and the most succulent parts of a steak is around the bone. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same for fish. The best parts of the fish are hiding in the pockets of the fish frame, around the head, uh, behind the ocular nerve and the eye. The eye themselves, very, like, quite delicious. Um, there's just so much that you can gain from eating these fish heads and highly nutritious as well. Uh, Maddie, you were going to be the first one on the team to try this. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I feel like I have to be. I am known as being not an adventurous eater, but our episode that came out last week was all about seafood soups uh, yeah. and trying to utilize more of a fish so that you can actually have less waste. And yep. now, and I was feeling so inspired after that, and now I'm feeling inspired to maybe even try a fish head. Well, if we, it has we... like if it has onion or garlic, I'm in. Perfect. That's but what we need. specifically <laughs> talked about. Oh, now now next time I go to the grocery store, I want to get like the whole fish instead of just the fillets. And like now we were talking about, okay, we'll try to make fish stock and we'll we'll make some chowder mm-hmm. or something. And now it's like, well, now I'm just gonna smoke it. <laughs> Duh. Yeah, Ch- chuck it in the smoker. Do they sell fish heads at your seafood store over there anywhere? I don't Probably know. Probably not heads. Like you can buy own, whole fish. You that- can buy whole yeah. frozen, whole frozen fish. Yeah. Okay. Because what what we we are seeing a bit of a shift here in in New Zealand. Uh, we are seeing seafood retailers actually selling their fish heads. And wow. Yeah, they're not cheap. Because as I said, these these communities they they value these parts of the fish and they're willing to pay for them, mm-hmm. um, which is really good for us to see. You know, we're career, trying to educate people on the different values, not only soci- socially but also financially. You know, yeah. These commercial fishing companies, these retailers, if they create more value from the entire fish, it means they won't need to catch as many fish 
to increase their sales, to raise more money. Mm. So our big push is, is utilization is conservation. So if we can, if, if we utilize more of the fish we do catch, we won't have to catch as many, uh, thereby conserving fish stocks for future generations. That's fantastic. Yep. I love then, that. Utilization by conservation. 100%. And uh, another, another sh- uh, positive impact we're seeing in the community is a program called Free Fish Heads here in New Zealand. So it's, a, it's an app or you can jump on the website and it essentially, it's a peer-to-peer donation of fish heads. So say I'm out on a day fishing, I'll fill up my fish. Um, I've, I don't know anyone to give my fish heads to. I don't want to throw them away. So I jump on this app. I'll hook up with someone close by. Say, hey, mate, I've got uh, 60 kilos of, of fish heads here. Nice and clean. Do you want to come and collect them? Someone will be on your doorstep in a few minutes. Wow. And that's an app. Did you say that was an app? That's an app. And it's also uh, just a website as well. You can jump on there, freefishheads.co.nz. Uh, it's essentially Tinder for fish head lovers. That's what it's been known as. <laughs> Swipe right for fish heads. Right. Uh, one snapper, two snapper, kingfish. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. You know yeah, what so I love that, about this? I love that when, you know, we've talked about, a lot of times when we've talked about, oh, this part of the fish or this this specific product is considered a delicacy. You, you, people who listen and can't, you know, see my, my finger quotes, but, um, yeah, and a lot of times there. it's an, it's a negative thing, right? Like it's like the shark fins for shark fin soup and mm-hmm. stuff like that, where it's like, we, we, it, you know, we're part of this battle that is trying to change the perception of these products that are not great choices, but they're considered to be these high, you know, high delicacies or, or status symbol type foods. And for the culture in this world to have that status symbol surrounding something like this, like the fish heads is fantastic because it just promotes the complete opposite of what the other stuff does. So it's, it's, I just, that's, it's nice to hear. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. And that, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to change people's attitudes, expectations, and behaviors when they uh, approach an entire fish, a whole fish. That's our ultimate goal. I wonder if there's anything similar to this for like scallops, right? Because the scallop is just what the muscle, right? But there's, yeah. Well, at least in America, yeah, if you get yeah. scallops, all it is is the adductor muscle, and then the yeah. rest of it is is discarded. But I know there are populations who eat more of it. Yeah, but. here in New Zealand, it's not just that little muscle, it's the whole thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, Wherever yeah. Like in, in the U.S., in the U.S., it's just, just the muscle, so. Yes. Yeah, that, yeah. That's a so, change. Americans are stubborn, and it's not, it's not easy to change <laughs> minds, so. <laughs> that's right. Slowly but surely. Uh, yeah. there, there is a program over there, an initiative called Fishful Futures. Have you heard of that? No, I'm writing uh, it down. It'd no. be a good one to hook up with. They, uh, they're in Southern California, run by a young girl called Emily Miller. Great person. We've, we've spoken many times. So they, they're essentially on the same path as us. They're trying to educate people on maximum utilization. So they mm-hmm. also consider utilization as conservation, but rather mm-hmm. than collecting fish heads and sharing it with the community, they're going straight to food processes and sort of trying to educate them on how they can add value to their products um, rather than just sending it to landfill, sending it to fish meal. So yeah. they're doing a great that's job. That's great. Over there. Yeah. yeah, that's great to hear that you're not the only one out there. Yes. Yeah. So it's a big world of food waste. It's a huge world. And we are, we are following in the footsteps of countries such as Iceland. Iceland are at the forefront of maximum utilization. So they utilize almost 80 to 90% of all the fish they catch commercially. Um, and it's not just human consumption. It's um, 
pharmaceuticals, uh, biochemistry, uh, fish collagen for skincare treatment. They, they've reached a point where the offcuts of the fish exceed the profit they would retrieve from the fillets themselves, the fillets themselves. Really? Wow. wow. So they're, they're, they're being paid more than double essentially for the fish. Wow. Maddie was was the um when we had I don't remember his name. Uh when we had the episode about the salmon leather. Was that mm-hmm. out of Iceland? Do you remember? No, he no? was um I want to say Swedish. Oh, okay. Yeah. They are doing a bit of that in the states as well through Fishful Futures. They they I think it's tuna leather, tuna skin leather. Okay. So a lot of uh jewelry, a lot of uh mm-hmm. handbags and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like it was a Nordic country that you're yeah. sourcing from yeah, yeah i don't, I don't remember right over there. but i'm curious you know when you talk about how the um the processing plants you know they were normally their regular practices were to send this fish waste to be ground down for fish meal and and stuff like that yeah and then they switched over to do, um, donating to you guys because they saw more of a value in the fish that way. But I'm curious, when they send these this waste product to get ground down, do they get paid or is that a service that they pay for um, and um, vice versa? Yeah. Like, what, like, if they get paid for that, like, you know, I, I imagine that if these people are looking for fish waste products to grind down into, into fish meal to send to feed mills or whatever, that they're going to pay for that product, but it probably isn't very... It's not like a high-paying product for obviously because the the processed fish is the where the money's going. But yep. is it enough that they can just forego that because they don't? You know, it's it's not enough to make it worth it. What, what yes. why is what what made the changeover? Is it just out of the goodness of their hearts that they felt like it was the better thing to do? Yes. Well, I mean, commercial fishermen here in New Zealand, especially, have have a negative connotation. You know, people think commercial fishermen are, are the bad guys. They're destroying our marine environment um hmm. which i'm not saying they're not but i'm not saying that they're they're the only ones responsible so these guys they do want to be seen as doing the right thing which is great and they are doing the right thing through um recovering these fish heads and sharing it with us and we're totally happy for them to to use us as a as a way to promote their sustainability reach uh, as long as we get their fish heads you know we're, we're right. happy to do that <laughs> Um, but on a smaller scale, these small guys, small retailers, they do have to pay for their fish heads and frames and whatnot to be removed and um, turned out, turned into that fish meal. Um, mm-hmm. So for us to collect it for free, you know, it's a win for them. Right. Um, and we have approached a lot of these guys and we basically said, you know, if we can collect all of your waste, would you let us? They said 100%. So rather than paying for it. So that would include the inedible fish parts as well, uh, which is something that we're looking into. So rather than just feeding people, part of our strategy to becoming self-funding is potentially looking at products to help us uh, generate more revenue to create funds um, mm-hmm. for our project. So that could be in the form of a fish fertilizer. We've been looking into that. We've received grants to research and create a business case into these different products. You know, So rather than just collecting edible fish parts, we'll collect it all, sift out the, the good stuff, feed our community, and anything that cannot be consumed will turn into different products to create value for our project in order to help us feed more families. So it all it's all coming back to allowing us to feed more families. And there's so much potential in Auckland and around New Zealand um, mm-hmm. where we're just a drop in the ocean here in Auckland. That's another one for you. Good pun. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of good little snippets. Yeah, I like it. I'm just like so impressed. This is something that I've always 
thought about because I know that there's and it's not just seafood. It's plenty of other industries that have a lot of food waste. So do you think that this could be replicated with other food sources other than seafood? Yes, good question. Um, well, I mean, here in New Zealand, there's not too much waste in in the beef industry. They'll use everything, you know, even the the bone marrow, um, mm. and that's a delicacy as well. You know, you pay a lot of money for for bone marrow, and it's something that you don't see in other industries. They are currently mm. utilizing oh, the whole fish, even the you know the the snouts, the ears. They make it into sausages and those sort of things. But whereas the in the fishing industry, only thirty five percent of a snapper is consumed as a skinned and bone fillet, 35%. Wow. And the other 65% is, you know, going into landfill if you're a recreational fisherman or into a low-value fish meal. So we see value in more than that 35%. Um, You know, we aim for a 90% human consumption and the other 10% in the garden. Throw the gills and guts, bury Mm. them in your garden and you'll have a pretty good harvest the next year, the next two years. And we we are gaining a lot of expressions of interest from around the countries. So for this to be replicated, you know, it, it's quite simple. All you need is a few committed individuals um, and then a way to, to raise revenue, uh, to raise funds. So that could be a filleting station. And that, that's one of our goals over the next few years to, to help people, to empower people to create their own kaika in their own backyard um, all around the country. And uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of exciting things uh, happening basically over the next 12 months. So since you're primarily based in Auckland right now, is there any plans to expand? You're kind of just hinting at that, but yes. is there any other plans to expand? Well, we, we want to perfect our model here in Auckland, first and foremost. The, the, you know, we're still making things up as we go. We're trying mm-hmm. to document everything that we do, but we're making mistakes and we're changing them, um, trying new things. So in order for us to franchise, for lack of a better word, um, we need to be able to document our standard operating procedures, uh, document our mistakes, what we've learnt, and um, to essentially hand over a document or head down to Wellington, for example, and set up a kaika in these different areas. In saying that, we, we have people, as I said, these expressions of interest, they just want to do it. So I said, great, you know, I'll come down, just run you through the basics, and then if you want to go ahead and recover fish heads and frames from commercial fishing guys or rec- uh, retailers, Go ahead and do it. If you have a community that wants fish heads, I'll come and help you. So it's as easy as that. But in the long run, we want to perfect what we're doing here. Uh, you know, as I said, we're recovering over 5,000 pounds of fish heads each week. That That's nothing compared to the waste that's here just in Auckland. You know, we've mm. uh, we've estimated that we can recover close to 20,000 pounds. Wow. So 10,000 tons of fish heads each week just wow. here in wow. Auckland alone. And the, the demand so, is there for that. Oh, 100%. Our demand is through the roof. We never, the worst thing that we could ever say to people is, sorry, we don't have any fish for you. That's the <laughs> biggest thing we're trying to avoid. And sometimes we do have to say that. Um, wow. When we run out of fish and there's a lineup of 20 cars still waiting for these fish heads. Oh, man. We have to go and apologize and say, sorry, we don't have fish heads for you. That, that's heartbreaking uh, for them oh, and wow. us. So in order for us to, recover that amount of fish, you know, the, the 20, the, the 10 tons of fish, we need mm-hmm. capacity and we need resources. 
um, our resources stretch to the limit at the moment. Yeah, well, and I think you spoke to this a minute ago too, is you're documenting and you're looking at what's working, what's not working, and you're trying to really maximize the benefits and the procedures so that you can get to that point where we're expanding and having a further reach is a possibility. Like you said, if, there, if there's... 20,000, would you say 20,000? How much was it? It's 10,000 tons of fish. Uh, right, 10, right 10 now. Tons of fish, sorry. 20,000 pounds. Yeah. Oh, there we go. And so there's a lot that you don't want to ever get to that point where you have to say, like, sorry, we don't. We don't have it because the it's there. It's just fine tuning those processes so that you're able to distribute more. And that will come with time. It's from what I've heard, you have come a long ways in a very short amount <laughs> of time. Yeah. Yes. And that's very impressive. And and I think just continue to do what you're doing. And, and I think you'll get to a point probably very shortly where you're going to be able to maximize every fish head that's available to you. So yeah, no, thank you. That's all we're trying to do. You know, we, we have, we realize we have to walk before we can run and we're jogging at the moment. We're happy to keep jogging until it comes to the time where we sprint and, um, yeah, we see these popping up all over the place. Yep, that's that's great. I'm I'm curious. Have you had to get any kind of either from the government or uh, you know, like like food safety type certifications or anything like that? Any yes. any of those regulations that you've had to kind of that's meet question. in order to Good hand question. out this as food? Yeah, one hundred percent. So early on, um, we we're basically just playing it by ear. You know, using ice in the back of a van, uh, mm-hmm. which is less than ideal. But yeah. it was all a feasibility study. You know, we didn't want to invest in a refrigerator trucks straight away. Um, so we didn't have any regulations early on. But then we reached a point where we were expanding and we had to tick all the boxes, do all the right things. So we do have a nationally recognized, uh, I think it's an NP1, a trans- food transport certificate. So we can collect these fish heads and share them legally. We have the, this certificate. We've got a refrigerated truck that we use which maintains temperature control. That's a big thing for us. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we need to make sure we we give these families food that is well looked after, well cared for, um, something that we'd want to eat ourselves. Um, so yeah. to maintain that temperature control is vital using temperature guns, um, all the different sensors in the trucks, uh, just to maintain that control. It was interesting. I yeah. just kind of thought of that like, because I know over here, if you wanted to do something like that, even just open a food truck or something, you need all kinds of permits and FDA certification yep. stuff like that so just curious kind of how that worked um yeah, so yeah. we talked about kind of what's in the what's in the future for that so is there anything else while you're on the platform while you're here and you have the mic what else do you want to get out there um so a couple of unexpected benefits from our project is people doing scientific research uh, oh. so last year the year before Auckland University uh, did a, a study on our on fish gut cavity, uh, fish gut contents. So we're doing a study on microplastics and plastics in the Hodaki Gulf, the Gulf just outside of Auckland here. Um, so they came to the, the filleting trailer and was collecting samples of, of a whole lot of fish and they took it back to the lab, analyzed it, and they realized I think 20 or 25% of all the fish that they caught that came through our filleting station had microplastics in the stomach. Oh. Um, Wow. So, and then, yeah, we're, we're pretty lucky to be able to be involved in those sort of programs. And another study, which I was just interviewed for a couple of days, uh, a couple of days ago, was um, looking at the food industry here in New Zealand, different aspects, uh, the waste here in the food industry. Um, so, they are unexpected benefits that we're, we're really proud of, um, being able to, to help out in such large re- uh, studies and research programs. Fantastic. Another thing we're really proud of is our ability to bridge the gap 
between different communities. So as I said earlier, very multicultural city here in Auckland, um, mm -hmm. very different socioeconomic scales. So what was unintended is, you know, we have people on the higher socioeconomic scale interacting with, with these people on the lower, you know, that we are bridging that gap. We're seeing people interact at these fish filleting stations when we go and collect these fish heads. You know, people are talking to talking to each other. They're, they're getting along. Um, and we are essentially building a community of all these different cultures, bringing them together. And we're, yeah, we're, we are really proud of that. Yeah, fostering a local community for sure. Yeah, 100%. Well, I know we talked about this more towards the beginning of the show, but I like to ask this as we start to wrap things up. But if, if any of our listeners want to learn more, you did mention a website. Where could our listeners learn more? And if they want to contact you, what is the best way for them to do that? Thank you for that question. Yes, so we're, we're, we're going pretty hard on our social media this year. Um, we're all about public awareness. You know, we've focused on our operations for so long and we're, we're still focusing on that, but we're also venturing into the education side of things. And, you know, as I said, we want to empower people to to be able to look at a whole fish or a secondary cut of fish and to utilize that. And we're doing that through our social media. So the Kaika Project, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, even LinkedIn, but also on our website. So it's kaika.co.nz. Um, we've got a whole lot of different recipes on there. We have a contact form. If you want to volunteer, there's a volunteer form you can fill out. If you just want to ask us a question, if you're really interested in, in our program, our project, and maybe you want to replicate it, who knows? Uh, we are more than happy to, to help out and give our, share our experiences, our mistakes, what we've learned. Um, so you can jump on that website, fill out the contact form. Um, be more than happy to answer any questions. Excellent. And we will link to as many of those as we can. For sure. As well as the video that we've um, referenced to a bunch of times so people yes. can kind of see what we're talking Such about. Such a cool yeah. video. Yeah. yeah. And the, the food that they make with the meat from the fish heads looks delicious. I think it's like oh, a yeah. fish head curry. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, another thing with the, the fundraising side of things, we're looking at uh, potentially um, developing a, a cookbook just focusing oh. on fish heads and secondary fish cuts. Um, one, to raise funds, obviously, and two, to empower home chefs. Nice. So that'll tick a lot of boxes for us. So that's one of our goals over the next 12 to wow. 24 months. That'll be pretty exciting. Um, I'm not much of a cook myself, but I try my best. Um, so it'll be interesting. I'll have to look for a lot of outside help for that one. It's interesting <laughs> the battles that you're trying to accomplish over there because we are just trying to get people to cook seafood you're you want to empower people to cook fish heads yes <laughs> yeah well seafood in new zealand is just so natural um so it's called kaimawana is the tereo maori name kaimawana um see every we just eat seafood you know we just love it where we've got a huge body of water wherever you are in the country you're only yeah. an hour half an hour from the coastline people go diving fishing um and they just love hunting and gathering their own kamawana for themselves and for their family mm -hmm. and their community. Uh, just like over here, we love crappy fast food that makes us all <laughs> feel terrible. Uh, unfortunately, we like that as well. There's a lot of that, especially in the <laughs> South Auckland area. I mean, you know, there's yeah. more fast food restaurants than you can throw a stick at. You know, they're on mm -hmm. every corner. So that's one thing we're trying to address as well. As I said, better food mm -hmm. for these communities. Yeah, more healthy food for sure. Yes. Do you want me to, to try and say this, uh, this marae? Pa Please. Papa, Papa Tuanuku Kokiri Murray. That's that's pretty good. Not bad. <laughs> if you can, if you can roll your eyes of the Murray, nope, that'd can't. be good. Nope, I can't. <laughs> I can't. You're not even gonna try. I think I, I've told that story. Have I told that story on here before about me rolling my eyes? 
No, I don't when I, think when so. I was in college, in one of my vocal courses, they asked me to, to take a part in, in the opera that the department was doing because they were looking for more people. So I was like, all right, sure, why not? And I had one line and I had to roll my R's and I, I can't do it. Like, it's like a genetic thing. Like, I, I guess some people just physically cannot do that. And I had to quit. I had to leave, leave the, I had to quit being in the opera because I couldn't do it. It, it was my one line and I had to roll my R's and I'm like, there's no physical way that I can actually do it. And I, I, and I had to quit. And I learned later that like, it's, it's like either genetic, it's like a genetic thing where some people can't and some people just can't do it. It's like the tongue roll, right? Some people can roll their exactly. tongue other people yeah. can't. Yeah. Yeah, That's same thing. Some people can roll their R's. Yeah. Sean can't. I can't. And you <laughs> know, you know, I wish I, my whole life I've wished that I could because I get criticized. Every Spanish class I ever took growing up, I would get criticized for it and I'm like, I was I can't gonna say it. it's a good thing that Spanish is not your native language. I'd probably be able to if it was. You'd have to quit. <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah, yeah maybe quit, not. Quit being Spanish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just good. I'm just good at speak sign language. Can't roll my R's in sign language either. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, anything else? Does anybody have anything else that they want to that they want to say before we finish up? No, just uh, I really appreciate you coming on, and and it was a learning experience, I'm sure, for the three of us, but also for our audience. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that that really wishes you the best of luck and to continue to to, to move forward in the in the great work that you, you're doing. Thank you very much. Very kind words. There's a lot yeah, for us to accomplish. And, uh, yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah, I told Maddie before, uh, earlier after we finished our previous recording today, I said, I'm really excited for this next recording because it's nice to talk to someone uh, about an organization that is completely centered around like just doing good mm-hmm. for their local community. And it's, it's, yeah. it's very refreshing and it's nice. So I really appreciate you joining us again. Uh, this has been Dallas Abel who's the project coordinator at Kaika and really, really appreciate you reaching out and, and talking to us today. And if there's anything that we can do for you in the future, please don't hesitate to reach out. My pleasure. Thank you very much for happen- having me. And uh, yeah, good luck for everything in your future. Folks, that was our conversation with Dallas Abel from the Kaika Project. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. I hope you were inspired like we were. And uh, I want to remind everybody, like I always do, to please make sure you're subscribed to Aquademia wherever you listen to get every new episode automatically downloaded as soon as they're available. Follow us on Twitter at AquademiaPod. And if you want to reach out to us for any reason, we have a contact form located at globalseafood.org slash podcast. And like we say at the end of every episode, if you enjoyed this episode, then you should definitely leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, if that's where you listen. And if not, leave us a review on where, whichever platform you listen. That's right. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Bye. You remember how... You're going to um, say ciao or you what? You didn't say ciao. Oh, sorry. Ciao. Ciao. <laughs>